You're listening to the No Gray Areas podcast with Patrick McCullough. Today's guest is Josh Harrell, husband, father, and nurse. Josh guides us into rooting our identity in the right places. Let's dive in. Josh, welcome to the No Gray Areas podcast. This podcast is all about living on purpose for a purpose, and your story certainly is going to fit into that. Uh, when I when I met you and I heard some of your story, I, I thought uh, some words that apply really well. And so these were, I jotted these down today, uh, courageous, warrior, tenacious, broken, humble, dependent on Jesus. I think our audience is going to see how those <laughs> fit well for you. But yeah. you and your wife recently started a ministry called Restored Living. Tell us a little bit about that and why you started it. Yeah, so um, so a little background on us. We've been married for almost 10 years. We're celebrating our 10th anniversary this year. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Yes, it feels like a huge milestone, especially in the context of just our, our bigger story. Yeah. Um, but Restored Living was a ministry that was really born out of um, just a burden that was placed on our hearts to see people um, rebuild, restore, and renew their lives to the purpose that God has for them. And that's really our mission is we want to equip people to experience the fullness of life in Jesus. And for us, um, like I think we've realized for a lot of um, a lot of ministries, a lot of movements, it was born out of our own story. It was born out of our own pain, our own brokenness, our own hurt. And, um, and God has really taken that and redeemed it. And so um, kind of the, the origins of it really back in 2018, you know, we'd been married for six years now. So we had a couple of kids. We had our, our oldest son and our youngest was just, I mean, a little over a year old. And, um, and I had been for several years kind of off and on battling um, anxiety and depression in kind of various forms. It started back in like 2016. And uh, for a couple of years, it was just a cyclical thing I would go through. And um, some of it was seasonal. Some of it was just sporadic. Um, and I had gone to therapy. Because you're, you're from the Oregon area, yes. right? So yeah, so it's always seasonal. worse in the winter. <laughs> yes. I mean, you just yeah, can't. Yeah. I think everyone has low-grade seasonal depression <laughs> yeah. in Oregon. Um, you don't see the sun for no. months. No, yeah, you're like, oh, wow, the sky, it's actually yeah. still there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was a couple of years of this, and and I had seen, you know, some a couple different counselors. I was on medication, and um, and my wife, Jalen, she had just noticed I wasn't, there was just something missing, like something mm -hmm. wasn't clicking. Mm -hmm. And um, so she actually sought out therapy herself, um, it, to, to ask, uh, like, how can I help him? Like, what do we, what do I do? Like this anxiety, this depression won't go away. And, uh, her counselor who actually had, we had known for years because her and her husband used to work in our church. Um, she was like, I think Josh would really benefit from seeing, you know, one of our, one of our, uh, therapists here. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give it another go. I was, I was, and were you open to that right away? Or? Yeah, I think I had done it yeah. so much that I was kind of like, okay, I can, I yeah. could see doing that again. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I don't know what it was about this particular person, this particular season of my life, but I think I was just, I had spent so many years um, just uh, building up an image of myself that I, um, that I had it all together, that things were good. I was open and vulnerable to the extent that it wouldn't, um, it wouldn't taint someone's image of me, but I wasn't so open and vulnerable to the extent that I would really get down to the depth of things that I was going through. And so J just out of curiosity, you and I talked about this before, yeah. but what Enneagram number are you? Um, I am a six. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. uh, so I, I tend to, well, I, I say that. And then I've, I've in recent months been like, I'm a six, I'm a two. I don't know. I kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel a little bit of both, but I remember going into this season of therapy and, um, I remember walking into the room and, I just, I don't know what it, honestly, I don't know what it was. I think it was just the Holy Spirit being like, it's, it's time. You, you've got to, you've got to dig into the deeper stuff now. And I remember in that session, just pouring out everything to this, this counselor. I mean, I remember her face. It was like, 
So she was just in shock. You you had been holding in a lot of mm-hmm. stuff, and, and part of that was because of the image, like you totally, you, yeah. And part of that Which too, I think, was, in the audience, all of our audience listening, oh yeah, we all resonate with that. There's, yeah, we'll, we'll give eighty percent of the truth or sixty mm-hmm. percent of the truth, but we're going to hold back the part that might taint our image. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And I think part of it too was just growing up in the church. I, I I grew up in a time in the church, and even even still now, I think it's something we're working on where the things that I was wrestling through were really hard things to talk about. There were things um, that that weren't very open. And so as I, as I came into therapy and I started to open up, um, some of the biggest things that I had been wrestling with for years that I had never talked to anyone about um, was issues around sexuality and identity. And those were things that, you know, growing up in the church in the 90s and the early 2000s, um, I, I had been very open to sharing about other struggles. I had struggles with pornography and lust and, um, addiction in that sense, because that felt, um, that was okay to share that. Yeah. Because there was always kind of a, like, oh, you know, like a general understanding, like people, you were, you were asked to open up about those things. There was space provided mm-hmm. for those things, mm-hmm. um, in the time, which I was grateful for, because I can't imagine having not shared all of that too. Yeah. But then when it came to the issue of, of, I don't even call it the issue, when it came to the topic of, of sexuality, and for me as somebody who, who had since my you know, early teen years really struggled with same-sex attraction, I, I didn't have a safe space to talk about that. And when you hold something like that in for you know, over a decade of your life and you don't have what should be the safest place, right? You, I, mm-hmm. I felt like mm-hmm. you know, my church was my home, like that was my family. And I didn't feel safe to but talk that was there. The, that was your family, but it was the one place that was really not safe. Right. That's how you felt. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, I'd had some some instances and some experiences with uh, with family and with church where I had seen their reactions to other people's um, struggles in the same area, uh, whether it was um, comments that they made or judgments that they would make or jokes that they would make, right? All out of, I think, just ignorance. It wasn't yeah. out of, yeah. there was never a uh, willful um, malice or anything. It was just an, a misunderstanding, right? Yeah. Um, and so I very early learned on, or learned very early on, this is not a safe thing to talk about in the church. This isn't a safe thing to talk about in your home. And so I kept it to myself for several years. And um, what that did is it really, uh, it, it created this this wrestle of identity where, because now if you look at the culture that we're in now, this is uh, this is one of the things that vies for people as people's identity more than anything. I mean, you look at our our middle schools, our high schools, you look at legislature, you look at uh, just the cultural, you look at even churches and how they're starting to shift their their beliefs or their focus or kind of um, pulling back from this topic because it is so deeply interwoven with identity, um, not because it's meant to be the core of who we are, but because culture has made it such such a key identifier, right? Um, You know, you see... Um, you just see how it's woven in. And so for myself, I didn't know how to express that. And so when I, when I did finally open up about that in 2018, um, you know, the first time was with my counselor. That was the first time that I actually like how said, how old were you at that time? About 26. So you were 26, yeah, 26 years old. And had, had two feel kids. like a weight off your Oh my gosh. I felt so relieved. And I remember sharing it with my counselor and then over, it was about a week and a half between that point and where I finally, I remember the the moment where I I told my wife Jalen that I needed to have a conversation with her, right? Which no spouse wants to hear those words because it's usually not. We never had those kinds of conversations, and I think that was one thing too is that we we spent the first several years of our marriage really operating on 
we're good. Everything's good. We had everyone talked about how great our marriage seemed. Like we very so much image thing again. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And you feed off of that. That becomes a part of your identity yeah. too. You're yeah. like, you identify with the guy who's a good Christian guy who serves on the worship team, who has a great marriage, who's in a successful career, who has kids, um, who's, you know, connected into the church. Like those were my, those were my identity just as much as, um, as my sexuality was becoming a part of my identity too. And so to, uh, willfully lay that down and totally, you know, annihilate that identity was a huge decision. And so I remember having that conversation with her and, and you talk about a weight being lifted off your shoulders. I mean, I remember telling her and it was like, oh my gosh, this is like the one thing that I've kept from her for years, right? Like this is the mm -hmm. one thing I didn't feel safe to, which of course in that moment I feel relief, but um, you can imagine in that moment for her, yeah, it, her whole understanding of our relationship changed in an yeah. instant because she... She, I, even though I wasn't ready to share it, and and I think um, there was some valid reasons behind that, it was still me withholding information from her that pertained to us, right? And so she suddenly had all these questions, and rightfully so. Like, you know, what what does this mean for us? What does this mean for our marriage? What does this mean for our, you know what our marriage has been so far? So many questions that came from that, mm -hmm. and um, and I. I was like, I, I don't know, you know, I don't, I mean, I, I'm in the midst of just first, you know, vocalizing this myself. And, um, and so I remember during that season for us, um, you know, as we're both going through counseling her for herself and just kind of understanding this me for myself and then us as a couple, um, it was, it, it was kind of like once we, once we opened that door, uh, all of the, all of the things that were underneath all of that for me, just came flooding out yep. um, because there was so much, so many beliefs that I had about myself that that was tied to um, so many beliefs that I had about who I was or who I wasn't that uh, that were under that surface. And so, you know, and that's the key. That's the key here, because again, to the listeners, there may be some that are going, well, I don't have those, some of those same struggles, but it's, when we go back to the identity, mm -hmm. it, it's really the core of all of our issues, isn't yep. it? Yep, absolutely. So because your belief about who you are or who mm -hmm. you aren't. Yeah. Yeah. And where you where you root yourself. I mean, if you think about it, if you root your identity in something, the fruit of your life is going to be representative of where you've where you've planted your roots. And so Oh man, well, okay, say that again. That's good. That's <laughs> well, good. So so where wherever you root your identity, wherever you plant yourself, the fruit that comes out of your life will be representative of where your roots are. And for me, I had for so many years rooted myself in the way that I was presenting myself and in who other people believed I was that that the the fruit that came out of that was this um, this attachment to how other people saw me and this belief that if I didn't keep that up, that suddenly I I wasn't going to be worthy. I wasn't going to be worthy of their respect. I wasn't going to be worthy of their love or their attention or their acceptance. Um, and then even as even as we began to navigate this journey together, and I started to open up about these other parts of myself, um, it very it was interesting because I very quickly shifted my identity. And my identity, rather than you know, I want I wish I could say that immediately. I was like. I'm all surrendered to God and he's just coming in and he's redeeming this area of my life. And it's amazing. And I think sometimes we think that's how it's going to be when we finally open up, like this is going to be the yeah, moment yeah. where my, you know, my relationship with God is just taken to another level. And the reality was for me, it wasn't, I, I opened up. It's always and a journey, I, isn't it? Oh, it's it totally is. And we so think it's just going to be this uphill, like we're just going to walk and it's going to be incrementally better and better and better. But the reality is guys, like it's, 
it's an up and down and it's, you're going to hit points in the journey yeah. that you don't expect. You're going to yeah. hit roadblocks you don't expect. And, and for me, I just, I remember after that, cause that was February of 2018. And for the next three months, I just began to spiral. I mean, I just began to, I began because suddenly I didn't know where my identity was rooted anymore. It had been in so much in the image that I was. And now that, and that I image removed was- that, and that foundation was gone of this image that I had built yeah. up or yeah. in my mind that I had built up, I suddenly was grasping at straws. I was like, I need something to validate me. To I need go back something. to the analogy you used, you you rip those roots out, that tree yep. falls down. So like you're, you're, you just fall and you've collapsed yep. and you're trying to figure out. And I'm just reaching for nourishment, yeah. you know, yeah. like I'm just trying to find somewhere to like, you imagine like you rip a plant out of the ground, it's thirsty, it's, it's removed from nutrients, it's removed from everything that it needs for survival and for flourishing. Yeah. And so that's where I was. I was just, I was grasping at anything. And so over the next few months, you know, as Jay is kind of, really leaning into the Lord and, and really just seeking out wisdom. And we, you know, we brought a few people into that journey with us just because we knew we needed support. And, um, you know, she, I knew, especially for her, she needed close people to talk to. I needed people to process with. Um, and as she was, we kind of moved in different directions, you know, she was, as was growing and, um, and learning more about herself and, and just, her identity in Christ, I was, I couldn't have been moving further from that. I was so, I remember being so angry. Really? Yeah. I was so angry with God. I was so mad. I was like, why, what have I done to deserve this? You know, like why? And, and again, this is where I was putting my identity in this one thing, right? Was some of your anger out of, um, I, you know, I opened myself up. I became transparent and honest. Everything should be working now. Yeah, there was a little bit of that of like, God, why I'm trying to do the right thing, I think is what it, where it came down to where I was like, I'm trying to do the right thing. So why aren't you making this better? Mm. And even in that, my I was looking for security and um, and my identity in external circumstances. You know, I wanted things around me to look better and to be better. And if they weren't, then something was wrong. And so mm. I just, I just, I mean, from there, I just like, I, like I said, I spiraled, I started seeking approval in all the wrong places. Um, it led me down a road of, you know, emotional infidelity. Um, it led me down, you know, um, depression, self-harm, suicidal thoughts. Like it just was, it, and it was fast, but we, uh, we reached this point in, um, in April of 2018, and um, and Jay had gone out for a business trip and I was coming a day late from her because of childcare and all this stuff. And while she was gone was when um, some of the infidelity happened. And so I remember taking the kids to a friend's house and I remember driving to the airport and I'm flying to see her and I get there and I say hello and whatever. And we go into the first day of this conference and we, we listened to this couple that we had known for a, it was while. a marriage conference. Um, it was a business conference, but a lot okay. of it was kind of business marriage. Like it okay. was a very, okay. very kind of inclusive yeah. conference of all those things. And this couple that we had kind of gotten to know a little bit came on stage and they just started sharing their, their testimony. And the husband talked about how he'd become an alcoholic and how he had to open up about that to his wife in order for them to move for him to heal and for them to move forward. And, um, and it was, it was like, I, I'll never remember such a defining moment where, uh, the Holy Spirit was like, you have to do, like he put it on my heart that I had to do something. I had to take action. I had to make a choice because this was where, am I going to let, am I going to let my identity be rooted in, again, the image that everything is good, that everything's okay. Cause that's what I'd always done. Or am I going to let my identity be rooted in Christ and, and, and step forward in honesty and allow him to kind of handle the outcomes of things. And so, you, you know, you know, as I'm hearing you right here, I'm just going to jump in yeah. really quick. Is I'm hearing this, I'm thinking of some of the things 
that 2000 years ago, Jesus said when he was here on earth and he talked about, if you want to live, you have to die. And mm -hmm. that that's what you were going through, wasn't yeah. it? That you, you had to lay down, you had to be willing to kill these image things that mm -hmm. you had in order for you to really live. Yep. And that was a painful process. Yeah. Hearing. So, okay, go on. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was because my, what I found for myself is so much of my identity was wrapped up in controlling things around me. So if I could control how other people responded to me, if I could control how other people saw me, then I felt secure in who I was. And in this moment, I was going, I knew that I had to make the choice to allow myself to be fully seen where I actually was in all, in all the things I had actually done. And I had no control over what was going to come back at me. And so I remember sitting down and, and I remember, you know, I was sitting in our hotel room and she's just talking about the day and, oh my gosh, wasn't that great? That's so great. And I was just, I was silent. Yeah. I was absolutely silent. I said, hey, hon, I need to tell you something. And so I and sat And it was three down. months before where you had mm -hmm. had this other conversation, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so she's thinking we're making progress, you know, all these things. And, um, and I sat down and I told her and I will never forget this moment because it is the most is the closest encounter I've ever had with Jesus in my entire life. Mm. And, um, and I get emotional every time I think about it because, and I have to, this is where I have to take myself back to it because I sat there and I told her what I had done and I'm fully expecting anger. I'm expecting her to walk out. I think this is it. It's done. And pr just prior to this, I remember God just whispering to my heart. I didn't hear him, but I felt it. And he said, I need you to be honest and I need you to trust me with the outcome. And so I was. An outcome, like you said earlier, that mm -hmm. was out of your control then. Completely. I mean, I was I was relinquishing all control of what happened next. Wow. And she looked at me and it's it was it was almost like she doesn't even remember this moment. Um, or she does, but but we both just felt like it was this total Holy Spirit moment because she looked at me and she just said, you know, I want to be so mad at you right now, but I just look at you and and I just love you. Wow. And huh. I just like I, I was speechless. I didn't know what to say. I mean, I had just I had just confessed to this woman that I was married to that I had been unfaithful, and her response was love. Hmm. Like, how is that not like Jesus yeah. in every... I mean, we are so unfaithful to him over and over and over again, and his response, we forget, but his response is always love. Open arms. Always yep. open arms. Yep. When we're willing to be... When we're willing to admit what we've done, it's always going to be met with love, not condemnation. And that was, I think, for me, the turning point of starting to recognize I had put in, been putting my identity and my security. Because to me, identity, for me at least, identity is security. Like where, where I identify is where I find my security because it's, it's who I am. It's what I am. It's what I believe. It's all those things wrapped into one. Like that's for, for my personality. I find security Well, and that makes that. sense because, you know, earlier when you were talking, I kept hearing you use the word control, control, mm -hmm. control. So that's the security, right? Yep. If your identity is wrapped up in security... But you have to control that. If, yep. if if you can't control it, there's no security, right? Yep, exactly. That's what we think. Exactly. Yes. And and the beautiful thing about when we start to place our identity in Christ is that Christ doesn't need to be controlled. Like we don't have to control any of who he is. Okay. Because <laughs> we got to unpack this a little bit. First of all, we're having your wife on next week. Yeah. She's going to be on the podcast. So we're yeah. going to hear things from her side and just sharing. And I mean, again, when I talk about courageous is a word that I would use for you being willing to be honest and transparent. Uh, the courage that she had too mm -hmm. to walk with you in this journey yeah. and confront her demons as well. Yeah. But you just touched on something that's so important because again, we throw around and 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 an identity is an issue. I remember I was speaking yeah. on identity one time, identity in Christ at, at a church, and afterwards a counselor came up to me and said, "You know what, Pat? 
every issue I deal with really goes back to the issue of identity. Yep. The, the problem with our culture and society, though, is that when we talk about where we're going to have our identity, like if, if it's all identity issues, yeah. but where do we actually find the answers then? Right. So you you just touched on something that I think is key, identity in Christ. You use that word. Yeah. Unpack that a little bit for us. Well, I think, you know, a lot of times our, our natural propensity, because we are living this life out on earth, and, and sometimes we we often lose our eternal perspective, right? Where we, we're just seeing the day-to-day. It becomes this natural pull to find things in the here and now that are that that make up who we are, that identify. So maybe it's a career, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's um, a certain passion you have, maybe it's certain characteristics of yourself, right? And so we, for whatever reason, we, we want that. Again, we want something to tell us who we are. I think we're, we're craving to know who we really are. Yep. Underneath everything that everyone else sees, yep. we just, we want to have a deep sense of knowing who we really are. The problem with putting our identity in temporal things is that they always change. They're yeah. not consistent. They're not reliable. And so... Isn't what, it interesting that the very first chapter of the Bible starts to speak to our identity? Yeah. Right? So it, it it's clearly God knew how important identity issues were for yeah. us. Because in the very first chapter, he's starting to tell us yeah. who we are. Yeah. So, but, but what we've done as human beings is we've run from that. Yep. And we try to find it in other things. Yeah, because we want we want something tangible. We want something. And and again, I think sometimes we want a sense of control. I get to say who I am. No one else gets to tell me who I am. And the Boy, re- is that the American way? <laughs> right? I you mean, don't I, get I, to I tell lo- me. <laughs> yes. I love our country. I think we have one of the greatest countries in yep. the world. But there's some there are some broken parts yep. of it. And yep. that's one of them is this whole idea of like, you know, it's, it's me. It's independence. Yep. I get to choose. I get to, which... Yep is anti-biblical. Yeah, yeah, it is because um because at the end of the day, even if we choose our identity, we're not reliable. Like as human beings, we change, we ebb, we flow. Our That's a great we're point. not consistent. You know what I mean? We can be consistent at times, but over time, you look at the history of humanity, we are not consistently one way. We are constantly yeah. changing what we think is good, what we think is bad, what's right, what's wrong, what's um what's a value, what's not a value. And so if we are the ones determining our identity, it's going to be a really insecure place. And I think that's what's so well, especially interesting. Especially like what, what you're saying is so good, Josh, because even as you age. Yeah. Like let's say someone is a great athlete and their identity is wrapped yep. up in that. They're going to lose their athleticism At someday. some point. Some, yep. Let's say your, your identity is wrapped up in being a speaker on the stage. Someday you're not going to be on that yep. stage anymore. And so you're going to – so as, as humans, we're always morphing, changing, right. aging. And if if it's if our identity is wrapped in those temporal things, that's what you're saying, right? If yeah. If our identity is wrapped up in temporal things, we're, we're going to be lost right. over and, and over again. Absolutely. And that's what even what we found in, you know, in 2018, we found that a lot of, for Jalen and I, for both of us, a lot of our identity was in the image of our marriage. It was in each other. And so when she realized that I maybe wasn't who she thought I was or, right, or I wasn't the image that I had put up, we realized this entire bottom fell out from underneath us. I mean, we would have never known I mean, as funny as it sounds, it was God's grace that what happened happened because it revealed to us more than just um, the things in our marriage that needed work or whatever. It revealed to us that we were not putting our identity. We weren't. We weren't finding ourselves in Him. We were finding ourselves in in our marriage and in uh, in the image that we had there. And it's not that we you had to peel can't back find... layers to figure oh, that yeah, out, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It took time and it took months and and there was you know a lot of conversations that led us to the point of realizing that. 
But the funny thing is that we think we, we think we have more control when we choose these temporal things to put our identity in. We think I'm choosing to, you know, you know, so like back to my story with sexuality, the, the, the narrative that my brain wants to believe is that if I choose to identify X way, I'm making a decision about who I am and thus I have control over it. I have security in it. The reality is that there's not a more insecure place for me to place my identity than in, in something that I am choosing for myself because I am inconsistent and I am unreliable and my emotions change and how I, how I think changes and, and the world around me changes. But I, I just, I, I hope that the listeners will take what you just said and really process that. That's deep. I mean, I'm processing as I'm uh, saying, I'm sitting here processing and I'm going to be processing <laughs> it for the next hours. That's, yeah. that's deep that if, again, we want so much to believe that I get to choose my identity but I'm inconsistent. My emotions yeah. are inconsistent. Yep. It's not going to land me on a firm foundation if no. we do that. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, and, and to think about how much more freeing, like if we would just remove ourselves from our finite view of life for just a moment and we look at the bigger picture, if if we're, if we're those of us who, who are followers of Jesus especially, and we remove ourselves and we go, okay, if we believe that God is over all, in all, through all, that everything is made by him, for him, through him, myself, everything around me that he sees the beginning of time, the end of time and everything in between. Why would I not want, why would I not believe that who he says I am is probably the most secure place I can find myself? (laughs) You know, like why, why would we think that me in my 85, 90 years of life at best on earth, that I'm going to have the best idea of who I am, not the one who created me. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't go to some, you don't go to um, this table and ask this table what its purpose is. Mm-hmm. You, the purpose, the person who made it determines yeah. its purpose and its value and its worth. And the beautiful thing about, about God is that his opinions of us, well, he doesn't have opinions enough of us. He has truths of us, right? So they don't, they don't waver. They don't change. That is we good. have opinions of ourselves and, opinions and they waver, they, waver, they change. So you might be really confident in your identity one day, but all it takes is one little thing to happen outside of you, and you might think the worst of yourself the next day. And the crazy thing about God is that he has always and will always believe because it's true, because it's who he is. He will always believe the same things about us. What are some of the things that he believes about us? Let's say there's someone listening. Maybe some just need to be reminded they've heard yeah. this before. Maybe some have never heard some of these things before. But what are some things that God believes about us, that yeah. consistently believes about us? Well, I think for me, because I always, they're truth. Because they're truth, exactly. And one of the things I always have to remind myself, because I can often, um, and maybe other people can identify with this too, but I often can be very critical of myself. Of even in this journey for myself, the last several years. I mean, Pat, this is still a process. I'm four yeah, years yeah, in yeah. to this journey, and I'm still learning. Yeah. what it means to put my identity in Christ. And I can get really frustrated with myself. I always say like, we never graduate from Jesus school. Nope. We never graduate from life. It just, <laughs> it's it's yeah, ongoing. As long You're as we're always going. Yep. working in it. Yep. And um, even the truth of scripture that says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. Those words alone, if just repeating those words over myself to remind myself, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That means that God had intention with when he made me. I wasn't flippant. I wasn't an accident. I wasn't some... Um, copy and paste, like he intentionally 
created me. That you know, when it, Scripture talks about how He knit us together in our mother's womb, like He is so intentional about us, yeah. and it's every single person. He's not just intentional for that person. He doesn't just. It's not just that person who is wonderfully made. You know, we can start to look at other people, I think, and start to really shape our identity around the comparison of other people and who they look mm-hmm. like compared to who we think we are. And just those two things that you just said should help because I think a lot of people struggle with comparison. Mm-hmm. The, right, those two well, things. And especially that, in our culture truths. now. Yes. Are you kidding me? Like, we can, oh, it's, man. I mean, I can pull up my phone right now and I can yeah. flip through Instagram and I'm going to yeah. see everyone's best day. Yep. And I'm in the middle of my yep. worst. Yep. And I think all these things, suddenly, I think all these things about myself, I'm not a good enough provider. I'm not a, I'm not a good enough husband. I'm not a good enough dad. I'm not a good enough this. I'm not successful enough. I haven't earned enough money. Those are all things that start to play into our identity. Mm-hmm. And they're coming completely from a place of comparison to someone else's highlight reel, right? Yep. But, but again, if we go back to Scripture, which is truth, if we believe that Scripture is truth, then what God says about us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, mm-hmm. that does not change. So on your worst day, I have, a, I have a good friend of mine who I was texting him just the other day. I was having a particularly really hard day, um, and I was just processing with him. And, um, and he, he said, you know, God, when you are at your lowest and in deepest in your sin, do you realize that God looks at you just the same as when you're, you're most connected with him? Mm-hmm. He doesn't, his perspective of us doesn't shift. That truth right there rocked my world so much. Yeah. So when you talk about identity with you, and we we have different stories, yeah. But um, that's why I think I connected with your story so much because the same with me. I was on a trip. I was in Fiji. I was reading um, this book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. Yeah. Um, you probably Brennan yep. Manning. Yeah. Um, and that truth, well, I'd heard it my whole life because I grew up in church, but for some reason, laying on that bed reading that that day, it hit me, and I yeah. and I rolled off on the floor and I started weeping. Yep. Because I realized that in the most disgusting, embarrassing moment that I would never share publicly, probably. Yeah. God loved me as much in that moment than he did in my best moments. Yep. That's that's life-changing, isn't it? And that changes how you see yourself because you finally, for a moment, you start to see yourself through the lens of how God sees you, which is the only the only truth that really matters. Any the way anyone else sees you, the way you see yourself is really is insignificant in the in in light of eternity, right? Because Again, we don't have the capacity to see the wholeness of we don't we don't even understand the wholeness of who we're made to be. Like we don't we don't we don't see ourselves yeah. as our full. We don't see everything that God sees of who we are because He made us. So He sees the parts of ourselves that we don't even quite see yet, yep. and He understands with compassion the parts of ourselves that we shame ourselves for. Yep. yep. And He He looks at those parts and He's just like, I still love you. Like I don't. It's I. I you're not gonna. I think sometimes we think that we we somehow are gonna have the ability or, or the ability to to outrun the love of God or to outrun the grace of God or to think that oh there's gonna there's a there's some kind of there has to be a threshold because in every other relationship there is right yep. every other relationship any human relationship there is a threshold yep. that you hit and when you hit that point people don't have the capacity to love perfectly we don't have the capacity for that so it's hard for us to understand that God would have. It, that God would have this consistent love for us. It's hard for us to understand that we can actually root our identity in who he says we are because isn't his opinion of me going to change just like other people's, just like my own, mm-hmm. right? But we superimpose who we are and who other people are on God rather than seeing God for who he is and letting his truth be something that is superimposed onto our lives. I, I hope our listeners aren't missing this pattern. This From, from almost start to uh, this podcast today, there's been this pattern that you keep coming back to where we can't trust our opinion of ourselves. 
We can't trust the opinion of others of ourselves. It's changing. It's going to morph. There's yep. only one place where we can truly find the foundation, and it's the opinion of our creator. Yep. Because that, he knows. Yeah. I mean, he knit every part of us together. He saw, he's seen our whole life from the beginning of time. He's known every moment, every decision we'd make. Every, I mean, before Jesus went to the cross, he knew every sin we would commit, every single one. And he knew it was all coming, and he, he still said for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, right? Yep. So what? when I think about it, when I, you know, some people will say that it's illogical to put our identity in, in a God we can't see. Like, that's not logical. But when I think about it, is there a more logical place to put my security than in something that doesn't change? Because logically, why would you put your security and your identity into something that you know is going to change? If you know culture is going to change, if you know society is going to change, if you know what's popular is going to change, if you know how you feel about yourself is going to change, then why would you want any of those things to determine something? So, because clearly we believe identity is important because we're all trying to find our identity in something. So we wouldn't, we wouldn't work so hard to create this identity if we didn't believe there was value in it. And if there's something that's that valuable, why would we not want to put it in a secure place? Like, why would we not want to put it somewhere that we know if I put it here, it doesn't matter what what else happens outside of me? It doesn't matter what anyone else says. I'm going to be secure. Yeah. I'm going to know who I am. And, and it doesn't change with the seasons. And um, I think there's, it can look like giving up your freedom to the world. But, and I've, and I've heard that many times. Well, don't you want to just be free to be who you are? Don't you want to just be free to live how you feel, you know, feel led to live? No, because I've done that. And when I, when I let my identity be led by my desires or I let my identity be led by my emotions, it has never led me to a place of security. It has <laughs> yeah. always left me lacking. It's always left me lonely. It's always left me isolated. Yeah. And But when I choose to, even in the hard seasons, say I'm going to put my identity in Jesus because he's the one thing that's consistent – it doesn't, it's like the circumstances don't around me don't change. They never, they yeah, never have, yeah. that's never changed my circumstances, but it has always changed my perspective and it's wow. always changed my understanding of circumstances what I'm don't walking change, through. But the perspective of the circumstances change. And yeah. I think that's more powerful because I think when your perspective changes, but the circumstances don't, you see everything around you through a new light. You see everything through, through a lens that maybe other people don't have the op haven't haven't taken the opportunity to see it through and you learn something more you learn more of who god is we don't learn i for me i've not learned new things of who god is in seasons where everything's going really well mm -hmm. or where my circumstances have changed mm -hmm. the times where i've learned who he really is is when my my perspective shifts but my situation yes, stays the same yes, yes. because i realize wow he is so much bigger than all of this and this is so temporal and it's so finite. And these things that feel like they're monumental when put in the perspective of eternity, they're minuscule. Yep. But they become they become powerful ways to, you know, I look at my story now so far and I look at the the opportunities that we've had to, even while still being in the mess of it and in the, the middle of it all and walking through it, the opportunities we've had to share the gospel, the opportunities that we've had to bring hope to other people who are hopeless, whether it's in their marriage or um, or just other areas of their life. Um, it's given so much meaning to all of that. And I, I think if I had kept my identity rooted in these temporal things, I never would have seen the meaning in in the hard stuff that we walked through, yeah. right? It would have been yeah. useless. It would have been, we're all going to walk through pain. Yeah. But if we want our pain to have some kind of meaning to it and some kind of purpose to it, then I think it requires us to to surrender this idol of our identity 
that the world wants us to take up because in, in this world, there's an idolatry of our identity. Mm-hmm. And if we can manufacture this identity that makes us appear pleasing to the world, that makes us appear like we have figured it out, then that is, that is like, that is the good stuff of life. And the reality is it's all, it's all facade. No one's- I, I, love, I love what you just said there. We, we could talk all day. We don't have all day. I'm going to have <laughs> to land the plane here. But when you just talked about the uh, in our culture, there's this idolatry of identity. That's so good because some, some listeners might be confused right now and saying, well, I thought you were putting identity like up on this throne. And it's not. That's the difference. Yep. When we put my identity on the throne and I get to choose my identity, mm-hmm. that's when this becomes an, an, an idol. Uh, the difference is uh, it, God's on the throne. Right. When we put our identity in him, he's the one on the throne. And I'm seeing my identity mm-hmm. through uh, God on the throne and what he says about me. So you guys have this incredible ministry, Restored Living, yeah. right? How does how does someone, if there's a listener that yeah. wants to to jump in, you guys have a podcast. Yeah. Um, so they could a, reach out to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So we have a couple different ways. One, we do have a podcast that just launched us last year. It's been awesome. We've been, especially this year, um, centering it a lot around having conversations uh, so far with other couples, but just bringing other stories of redemption and restoration, right? Because we, the imagery of restoration was something that was given to um, first to Jalen and then to both of us kind of in the midst of that first year of our journey through all of this. And God really just bringing, bringing into our hearts the truth that like, hey, I am the God who restores the broken things. And the beauty, the thing we love about restoration is that it's not about making it like it was before, but it's actually about it's about bringing it into fullness of what God intended it to be, mm-hmm. and some and and oftentimes the, it it you see the broken parts of it, right? Mm-hmm. Because they they speak to what He's done, and so um, so we have the podcast, the Restored Living podcast. You can find on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. Um, we also have Restored Living Instagram, so we're definitely active on there. Um, that's a great way to get in touch with us too. If you DM us on there, if you want to, um, you know, a lot of times we'll that's how we'll connect with with other couples or people who um, are just struggling with issues of identity and whatever it might be, right? Could yep. be sexuality, could yep. be a myriad of things. Um, and then we have you know Restored Living Ministries um, is is just something that's kind of growing and expanding, and so there'll be more that comes with that. But right now, those two, the podcast and the Instagram, are probably yeah. the best ways to get in touch with us. So. Well, and I don't want people to miss, again, I'm going to say it, that next week your wife is going to yeah. be on, and I think uh, she's going to share oh my a, gosh. A, a, just she's a, a different perspective. Y'all don't understand the things. powerhouse that that woman yeah. is. She, yeah. she, is um, she is someone who is consistently pursuing truth. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that, she's consistently pursuing Jesus because she knows that when she does, um, truth is the fruit that comes yeah. from that. And, and you guys will hear that next week as you hear yeah. her speak because she just, when she opens up her mouth and speaks, there's powerful things that are said, yeah. so... So what? Uh, leave us with this. I'm going to ask you for two truths and a lie in a moment. We always do this with all our guests, but leave us with this. What practical advice would you give? We've talked about some really deep things here. Yeah. And for myself and the listeners, what practical advice would you give us to help us uh, moving toward truth in our identity? Yeah, you know, honestly, one of the biggest ones, and it's one that I've actually, I feel like I've been learning more in, in recent months is what we were just talking about earlier is that this is a pr- a process of understanding who you are in Christ. And it's not going to be linear and it's not going to look perfect. And to understand that God has space for that. So as you are, as you are walking through um, understanding who you are in Christ and you start to work through undoubtedly some of the hard parts of your story, don't for a second think that God's afraid of any of that or that Mm -hmm. he can't handle the things that come out of that process. I've had moments where I was so angry with God and I for sure let him know it. 
And those were some of the most intimate moments I've had with God because for him, for me to see yep. again that his opinion and his belief and his love for me does not change, even based on my own behavior or circumstances, that has only shored up my security and putting my identity in him. So one is just allowing space for the process and knowing that if you're if you are seeking God, that he is going to meet you there because he says he will and he's faithful too. I think the other part of this is really being intentional about who you're surrounding yourself with and who's speaking into your life. I always think of my life as a table mm -hmm. and I think about who's sitting at my table and those seats and the people in them, they vary with seasons sometimes, but the thing that's always consistent about who's at my table is that are they someone who's gonna speak the truth of Jesus into my life? Yep. Because yep. if they are, then maybe they are someone that should be at my table, but if they're not, they're for sure someone who's not gonna be at my table. And doesn't yep. mean I'm not friends with, with other people who believe different, I don't believe that it's, that, uh, that I should, you know, devoid my life of people who believe differently because I think there's opportunities to understand. I mean, everyone is created by God, so I want to understand other people and I want to trust that the Holy Spirit's going to bring opportunities for yeah. for the gospel to be spoken in those situations. But when it comes to who's actually speaking into yeah. my life, speaking over my identity, yeah. and and who's who's speaking um, words to to my heart and to my soul, it's going to be people that I know that they are following Jesus, that they love him, and that they're imperfect just like I am, but we have the same united goal of becoming who Christ made yep. us to be. Um, it's a whole so other podcast we could go on to, but podcast. you show me the five people sitting at your table that are speaking mm -hmm. those that into your life, and I'll show you who you're going to be in a few years. Absolutely. That's 100%, so true. Great 100 advice. True. So two truths and a lie. Okay, two truths and a lie. So let's see. Um, see if I can get this. Let's see if you can get some. <laughs> you might know because we've spent some time together, yeah. so you might know. Okay, let's see. Um... I uh, have been a singer since I was five years old. Okay. Um, I am originally from the state of Oregon. Okay. And I have been to Disney World three times. You've been a singer. That's true. All right. Yep. I got that one. And uh, you're from Oregon. Yes. All I right. Am. I got it. You did. I, got it. I know. We spent enough time together. You yes. know those things. Yes. No, I've never been to Disney World, but I'm dying to go. So yeah. it's, on, it's on the bucket list all for right. sure. Good. Well, Josh, thank you so much. I think all of our listeners can understand why I use words like courageous and warrior and tenacious and broken and humble and dependent on Jesus to describe you. Mm. Um, and I would use those same words to describe your wife who's on next week. I don't want the yeah. listeners to miss that, but thank you so much. Appreciate Thanks, it. That was awesome. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the No Gray Areas podcast. To dive deeper into the story, be sure to subscribe, follow us on social media, and check out nograyareas.com.